Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You should give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including guest Bob Levy. He is the uh, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about executive order overreach. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josepha Savaz. Uh, certainly want to explore with Andy what's happened with uh, Tucker Carlson, Fox News, and all the issues surrounding that. It is April the 26th, and on this day in 1954, the SALT polio vaccine field trials involving 1.8 million children began in Franklin Sherman Elementary School in McLean, Virginia. Children in the United States, Canada, and Finland participated in the trials, which used for the first time the now standard, well, used to be standard before uh, the uh, vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine, but now standard double-blind method where neither the patient nor attending doctor knew if the inoculation was a vaccine or a placebo. One year later, on April the 12th, 1955, researchers announced the vaccine was safe and effective, and it quickly became a standard part of childhood immunizations in America. In the ensuing decades, polio vaccines would all but wipe out the highly contagious disease in the Western Hemisphere. Polio, known officially as poliomyelitis, uh, is an infectious disease that existed since the ancient times and is caused by a virus. It occurs most commonly in children and can result in paralysis. The disease reached uh, epidemic proportions throughout the first half of the 20th century. During the 40s and 50s, polio was associated with the, associated with the iron lung, a large metal tank designed to help polio victims suffering from respiratory paralysis help them to breathe. President Franklin D. Roosevelt was diagnosed with polio in 1921 at the age of 39 and was left paralyzed from the waist down and forced him to use leg braces and a wheelchair for the rest of his life. In 1938, Roosevelt helped found the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, later named the March of Dimes. The organization was responsible for funding much of the research concerning the disease, including the Salk vaccine trials. The man behind the original vaccine was New York-born physician and epidemiologist Jonas Salk. Salk's work on the anti-influenza vaccine in the 1940s while at the University of Michigan School of Public Health led him in 1952 at the University of Pittsburgh to develop the inactivated polio vaccine based on a killer virus strain of the disease. In 1954, field trials that followed, the largest in U.S. history at the time, were led by Salk's former uh, University of Michigan colleague, Dr. Thomas Francis, Jr. In the late 50s, Polish-born physician and virologist Albert Sabin uh, tested an oral, oral uh, polio vaccine. He had created from a weakened virus, uh, live virus. The vaccine, easier to administer and cheaper to produce than Salk's, became available for use in America in the early 60s and eventually replaced Salk's as the vaccine of choice in most countries. Today, polio has all been eliminated throughout much of the world due to the vaccine. However, there's still no cure for the disease, and it persists in a small number of countries in Africa and Asia. Do you ever think about who might be bringing that disease back into the United States through the open border in the South? 
among other things. Nevertheless, uh, did a great job in curing uh, polio at the time. Joe Biden announced his re-election campaign on Twitter yesterday with a three-minute video. I don't understand why he did this because it was so cringeworthy and it was such a basket of lies. All of it was just lies. I encourage you to visit Twitter to see the responses. They're just uh, so negative. I, there are a couple of positive responses, but I would say uh, 90% or more of the responses were extremely negative towards the video. A, more, um, a majority of Americans believe the nation is heading in the wrong track, and a civics poll found this week as President Joe Biden launched his re-election campaign demanding former years as, to finish the job, 67% of Americans say Biden's America is heading in the wrong direction, and just 22% say it's going in the right direction. Uh, 10% have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Representative by Byron Donalds, our own uh, uh, representative in the U.S. Congress here on the Paradise Coast, he launched a slew of attacks on President Joe Biden after the president's announcement. Here's a quote. Every generation has a moment where they have to stand up for democracy, to stand up for the their fundamental freedoms. I believe this is ours. This was Biden speaking now. This is why I'm running for re-election as president of the United States. Join us. Let's finish the job, said uh, Biden. Donald's is a longtime critic of Biden, but ramped up his criticisms in the wake of his re-election video. Biden does nothing before 9 a.m., so the man asking American Americans to re-elect him for four more years, horrible and tumultuous years, isn't even awake for his big announcement. Donald's uh, shortly after the uh, announcement. <clears throat> Joe, when you wake up, your days in the White House are numbered, he wrote it on Twitter. Biden is one of several, uh, Donald's is one of several of congressmen to endorse Trump's presidential campaign. Last Tuesday morning, he continued saying, no one believes you, Joe, on the president's use of the word freedom in, camp in the campaign video. Uh, Joe Biden is shamelessly making freedom the theme of the White House basement strategy, where it is complete 180 degrees from every action he's taken as president. This is the same Joe Biden who waged a vicious, a vicious war on unvaccinated Americans claiming their face, uh, they face a winter of severe illness and death for them and their families. You know, and just never forget the quote from Joe Biden. We're losing, beginning to lose our patience, he's saying to the American people. Ugh. He also slammed Biden for race baiting on Republican election integrity efforts. He's lying again when he says Republicans want to, it harder for people to vote, Donald said. The fact is, it's easier to vote in Florida, Texas, and Georgia than in Biden's home state of Delaware. Stop the race baiting. Black and brown Americans aren't being disfranchised. You and I both know this, said Biden, or said uh, uh, Donald's. The Florida congressman represents us here, of course, on the Paradise Coast. Late last week, he appeared with Trump in Fort Myers visiting a local famous pizza place. America's president paid the people of my district a visit to downtown Fort Myers, and it was an honor to be a part of this moment alongside my youngest son, Mason, said Donalds. <clears throat> Donalds appeared uh, with Trump. <clears throat> and it came from a former president's speech at the Lee County GOP event. Also last week, Trump hosted other Florida representatives and Republicans at Mar-a-Lago who are supportive of his uh, 2024 campaign. Uh, it's, it is actually surprising to me how many Florida uh, representatives and uh, elected officials have voted to uh, support Trump, even though uh, the possibility of uh, DeSantis running still exists. I'm not sure he will, but in any end. 
Liberty County flipped from blue to red, now having more registered Republican voters than Democrats. In recent news from Sarasota County, there's now more other political-affiliated registered voters than registered Democrats in, uh, as of April the 12th. Florida's GOP chairman Chris Ziegler pointed out on social media that those registered under other have become the second largest voting bloc by party status in the county, even more proof that Floridians are not buying the radical agenda that Democrats are selling, Ziegler said. According to the Sarasota County Supervisor Elections website, there's 100,548 registered Democrats and 100,643 registered others. And by the way, 156,858 Republicans. Another county is flipped from blue to red thanks to Florida's strong conservative pro-freedom leadership and our voter registration efforts across the state. So again, another step forward in seeing a wider and wider spread for registered Republicans over Democrats and independents. Uh, this is concerning. Fewer people are passing through Southwest Florida International Airport. In March, there was a 23% drop in passenger traffic compared to March of 2022. And with tourism being down, that means business could feel some added pressure. And it's certainly true. I don't know the reason for this, except this may be a nationwide or even international occurrence, considering how <clears throat> people are being squeezed by inflation and loss of income, lower income real income I'm talking about. So it's very likely that people are just kind of pulling in their horns. They're turtling a little bit with regard to spending money and not taking those extra trips. Don't know the real cause, though. I don't think it's anything to do with the Paradise Coast. It is as just as uh, brimming with uh, fun and happiness as ever. Bud Light, the largest beer brand in the United States before Dylan Mulvaney, transgender Fuhrer, has suffered a 17% decline in dollar sales and 34.7%. That's over a third, a third plunge in volume at restaurants and bars, this according to the New York Post. Before transgender influencer Mulvaney's marketing tie-up debuted on April the 1st, Bud Light was the number one beer brand in the United States since the boycott backlash, Bud lost 6.7% of market share and dropped to number four, from number one to number four. Meanwhile, competitors Coors Light, Coors Light and Miller Light are cleaning up with each of their market shares soaring 18% last week. Beer drinkers switched from Bud Light to those brands appears to be gaining momentum as a week earlier. Coors Light market share was up 10.6%, while Miller Light gained 11.5%. So again, you're seeing Bud Light going down, and these two brands, Coors and Miller Light, going up. <clears throat> Friday and over the weekend, the historic company, founded in 1852 in St. Louis, Missouri, announced that two marketing executives that were the brains behind the Mulvaney campaign have been taking a leave of absence, probably paid. Budweiser Global Marketing VP Todd Allen is replacing them. On April the 10th, Anheuser-Busch CEO Brendan Whitworth apologized for controversy surrounding the marketing campaign. Featuring the male-to-female transgender activists, we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people, Whitworth claimed. We're in the business of bringing people together over a beer. Uh, Whitworth's mea culpa was broadly panned as an apology light. (laughs) So, uh, now, to me, why this is an important story, I don't care much about uh, Budweiser beer. What I do care about is the impact that people's opinions about uh, 
products really make a difference. They can't go out on a limb and start going on with this uh, woke stuff and expect for the American people to continue uh, patronizing their brand. And I think this is an important lesson to all companies. You go woke, you go broke. Well, a House uh, Judiciary Subcommittee hearing on Wednesday will feature the testimony of a whistleblower who will warn lawmakers that U.S. has become a middleman in a multi-billion-dollar migrant child traffic uh, operation at the border. According to Customs Border and Protection Statistics, the number of unaccompanied minors who uh, came to the border shot up from 33,000 in 2020 to 146,000 and 152,000 in 2022. So far this year, there have been over 70,000 encounters of unaccompanied children. The Biden administration has been rocked by a number of uh, reports that officials have been unable to make contact with more than 85,000 child migrants. And more recently, the administration officials ignored signs of explosive growth in child labor. A number have been forced into indentured servitude to pay back smugglers and have been working in very dire conditions. What a shame. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. <clears throat> also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. 
Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, you should know that most health insurance plans here in the United States don't cover international travel, and that's a problem. And if you get sick or hurt abroad, well, you want to make sure your travel is worry-free. And for about a buck twenty-five a day, you can make sure you're covered in case that happens. So go to internationalhealthplans.com. We have with us Bob Levy. He is the Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to private property, free markets, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. And we've been talking about uh, executive overreach, and we've certainly seen a bundle of it here in the last several years. And uh, uh, executive orders is an important area. We've certainly certainly seen uh, amazing executive orders just seeming to take over what appears to be the the role of the legislature. When are they valid, and when when are they invalid? Well, here are the ground rules. Uh, First, the president can issue executive orders pursuant to a grant of authority from Congress. Second, they're legitimate if they relate to foreign policy and national security powers that the president exercises in his role as commander-in-chief. And third, they're valid when they deal with the internal workings of the executive agencies that he runs. But beyond those three categories... Uh, executive orders that affect the rights and the obligations of us, of private parties, are, in my view, unconstitutional. Uh, They are not intended to provide a means by which the executive branch pretends as though Congress does not exist. It's Congress's role to be legislating the rules that govern our behavior. Absolutely, Bob, and we've seen so many examples, but can you give us an example of a president bypassing Congress and with executive orders? Yeah, there was certainly an egregious example that it's extended for many, many years in the context of immigration. Back in 2010, Congress rejected the DREAM Act. Mm-hmm. It would have provided a path to citizenship for persons brought to the U.S. illegally under the age of 16, who stayed here at least five years, as long as they finished high school and stayed out of trouble and either served in the military or earned a college degree. And then two years later, Senator Rubio proposed a light version of the DREAM Act, which offered a path not to citizenship but to legal residency. Mm -hmm. And Congress rejected that as well. Two years more down the road, President Obama essentially enacted the Rubio version of the DREAM Act by executive order. Now, in fact, I support the act. You know, I'm sorry it wasn't passed. Yeah. But 
The Constitution requires that the president shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. And that provision means that the executive cannot unilaterally decide to override Congress merely because he thinks it would be a good idea, especially if the law has been explicitly, as in this case, rejected by Congress. The job of Congress is to legislate. The job of the executive, as the name implies, is to execute. Only those laws that have been duly enacted uh, by Congress. Oh, and uh, just uh, in the last couple of years, we see so much of that. I, I think about the student loan forgiveness as an example. Of that. We'll see what the Supreme Court has to say about it. A, a most egregious example. Yeah. Yes. So what's the constitutional framework for executive orders, Bob? It was set out by Justice Robert Jackson in a concurring opinion in Youngstown Sheet and Tube versus Sawyer. So you might recall that that was way back in 1950s, but it was the case that denied Truman authority to seize the steel mills during the uh, Korean War. Yeah. Uh, and Jackson offered the following analysis. First, when the president acts <clears throat> pursuant to an express or an implied authorization from Congress, his authority is at its maximum. Second, when the president acts in the absence of either a congressional grant or denial of authority, then we have some twilight zone in which both the president and Congress may have some concurrent authority. Mm. But third, when the president takes at measures that are incompatible with either the express or the implied will of Congress, then the president's power is at its lowest. And yet that notion seemed irrelevant to a series of presidents beginning a long time ago, but typified by Obama's actions regarding the uh, DREAM Act. Yeah. He used, and since then, Trump has used and Biden has used executive orders unilaterally, despite an explicit uh, decision by Congress not to do uh, what they then did. So how do presidents justify their use of executive orders? Well, mostly they assert that other presidents <laughs> have also exercised. Uh, the old, he did it too? <laughs> that's right, he did it too. What aboutism? Uh, and that's, uh, you know, immigration is a perfect example. Uh, but the, the actions of past presidents in the immigration case were very much different. They were discreet, they were temporary, they were respond to, to uh, you know, emergency circumstances like Katrina, uh, like uh, the war in Haiti, for example. So we have no equivalent emergency now. And, for example, Obama's immigration order was open-ended. It was vast in its scope. Uh, he didn't just set priorities or conserve resources. He basically rewrote the law, watering down uh, the duly enacted restrictions on immigration. So, you know, imagine if a future president were to waive parts of the Clean Air Act uh, or the Dodd-Frank Act. Um, folks on the left would be, they'd go nuts and they'd have every right to, uh, because nowhere does the Constitution give the president authority to unilaterally alter these uh, federal statutes. 
Man, oh, man. So how do president's current uh, policies compare with past statements about executive power? Well, it's instructive to hear what Obama said about executive overreach. Uh, he said, and this is a quote, uh, with respect to the notion that the president can just suspend deportations through executive order, uh, that's not the case. To ignore congressional mandates would not conform with my appropriate role as president. And then two years after that, he said, if this was an issue that presidents could do unilaterally, I would have done it a long time ago. But the way that our system works is that Congress has to pass legislation, and the president then gets an opportunity to sign it and implement it. So, so much for their words, uh, their actions were quite different. So apparently he found himself in a position where he's not getting support from Congress. So he just says, I think I'll just go ahead and do it anyhow and see how the Supreme Court rules exactly. on Exactly. That's exactly what has happened. And not just Obama, but subsequent presidents as yeah. well. I think uh, this uh, student loan forgiveness thing is a, another good example of that as well. Uh, unbelievable. You know, uh, <laughs> we should have a constitutional convention and say we want to just we want you to we want you to follow the, the uh, Constitution. This time we really mean it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bob Levy again, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the very robust website. I hope you'll visit Cato.org. C-A-T-O.org. Bob, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. <clears throat> All right, coming up. <clears throat> We're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. He's author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. 
And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Andrew Jopper, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Andy's a regular guest on Wednesday morning and always looking forward to his commentary. And Andy, we usually start off with uh, some good news. Do you have some good news for us? I, I have a few uh, stories that are, uh, I guess, marginally good news. I want your audience to realize that nothing that I say at this point is going to override the significance of the, the Tucker Carlson severance from, from Fox. So I, I don't want uh, anyone to see that I'm um, uh, belittling or limiting that story's importance. So right. let, let's get to some good news stories. Uh, the ongoing uh, collapse of the, uh, the Bud Light label and their, their sales and again, I'm not rooting against the people who work there, and uh, I'm not hoping that they lose their jobs. On the other hand, I think this story is significant because it does show one of the first uh, major uh, coordinated efforts, in my estimation, uh, coordinated, uh, to, in fact, uh, push back against the woke uh, corporations. Yes. So I, uh, I'm happy to see their sales dropping now with the latest being an alarming 17% drop-off of sales. So uh, dramatic, dramatic sales with a 21% increase on top of that in this past week. So uh, in my estimation, a good news story, Bob. Uh, also, the, the firing of, of Don Lemon, Don Lemon, uh, uh, from CNN. Now, Don Lemon is not even in the same category as, as a Tucker Carlson. No. Uh, but it's good to see finally that this man is, is being let go. Uh, this is a man who claimed that the Malaysian airliner that was lost that was swallowed up by a black hole over the Indian Ocean. Uh, this is a man that said that the most significant problem in America is white men. This is a man who talked about women being past their prime at 50. Uh, but perhaps the final nail in his coffin was when he was talking to Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, and he indicated that a person's skin color... Uh, it can disallow their ability to voice an opinion on a topic. So for any of those reasons, he probably should have been let go. Uh, but I think it's, uh, it indicates even at a leftist network like CNN, uh, enough can be, can be enough, Bob. Yeah, for, for D and he went out uh, with the same note that he came in. He basically said, you know what, I didn't even, after 17 years, I didn't even get a call from management. <laughs> What a whiner. You know, this is, this is a general issue. And look, I, I obviously, from what I just said, I have no love lost between me and Don Lemon. Uh, on the other hand, I, I think the callous way that uh, management handles these situations categorically, and I'm not just speaking of Lemon or Carlson, I'm talking about what is happening, uh, and I'm a man management specialist. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a callousness that is, uh, that is setting in in American management that I, I, I find um, inappropriate and perhaps unacceptable. Bob. So uh, again, I'm not defending Don Lemon, but I uh, I don't like to see these things handled in a callous manner. I think it's a uh, a bad uh, statement about our culture and our corporate environment, Bob. I must say, I did some residence stuff for a master's degree, <laughs> and I heard one example that apparently they decided to fire this guy, and so uh, somebody from the board called his home and left a message with his son, eight-year-old son, that he no longer had a job. I mean, that's uh, just... 
Yeah, as I said, Bob, it's it's unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, okay. humanity has a certain uh, obligation to each other, and even if I disagree with that humanity, as in Don Lemon's case, I think that uh, I think actions have to be taken that have a sense of of, of dignity and decorum to them, and uh, we're we're losing that across the wide spectrum of American culture, Bob. That's right. Uh, well, and uh, speaking of people leaving, Susan Rice is now departing on May the twenty sixth. Uh, Susan Rice is leaving, and I don't know why she was there, so I, I'm not particularly <laughs> upset. I, I, I don't know if it's a good news story. Yeah. <clears throat> she was brought in as uh, Biden's domestic policy advisor, yeah. uh, essentially when she was uh, essentially synonymous with foreign policy. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure how that uh, how that occurred, that she shifted her field of expertise when brought into the White House. And, of course, Biden has had a significant outgoing accolades in terms of her domestic accomplishments, as we could have uh, expected. So I think Susan Rice, I mean, ever since she showed up on five networks on one Sunday morning to uh, defend the Benghazi-Libya situation, uh, she's been sort of on my uh, my negative list. And uh, so I have no uh, no great feelings of, of, of support for Susan Rice. Well, I, in fact, uh, if, you t- if she was a uh, domestic advisor to the president you just take a look at what's happened domestically in the last two years and i would say good riddance well i think that has to be good news but i mean that presumes that in some way there's a replacement that is standing in the wings that'll improve the domestic policies and i don't think i don't think that's going to be the case so in, in many cases when somebody is fired for negative reasons we can presume that the next person coming in will not uh, espouse those same reasons, and yet that is not proven to be true in the Biden administration. Bob. It's true, so true. Andy, some great news, uh, good news for us today. Anything else? Um, this is not a good news story, but it's been presented as a good news story, so I'll go with that. Uh, the Taliban have killed the ISIS leader in Afghanistan that was responsible for the uh, the bombing during the evacuation that killed uh, so many American servicemen and other uh, civilians. And I, it was being touted as an indication that the uh, the process in, in the in Afghanistan is going in America's direction. The Taliban supporting the United States by killing the ISIS leader. Uh, I think the alternative view, and I think the more logical view, is that uh, ISIS is being beginning to offer a political uh, threat to Taliban control in Afghanistan. And so this is somewhat an internecine battle in Afghanistan between the Taliban and ISIS for control. So I don't think the Taliban is there to help us, nor they, no. nor did they when they killed this ISIS leader. I think it's just a struggle for control in Afghanistan, Bob. Yeah, and uh, just reminding me now that uh, there have been so many thousands of Americans that have been left behind in Afghanistan. Uh, this, that story's actually been dropped. Nobody's talking about it. But the, And now, apparently, we've got 16, 12 to 16,000 uh, citizens, American citizens, in the Sudan and uh, I guess the point of view is, well, that's their tough luck. They're going to have to figure it out. Yeah, I think it's amazing that American <laughs> intelligence missed entirely the potential of that uh, of that conflict between generals in in the Sudan. And uh, as to the fate of these Americans, I think it'll probably hinge on whether or not a a holding significant truce can be implemented. Uh, uh, and if so, I think those Americans, uh, I, I'm guessing most of them are contractors. That's that's my presumption. I yeah. don't know that, but uh, they, they just have to get out of the Sudan before it all goes uh, it all goes even worse, Bob. Absolutely. Andy, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll, I'll be here. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Mm-hmm. 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So uh, any more good news? Uh, No. <laughs> Even that I was stretching, of course. Uh, but I would like to talk a, a bit about uh, Biden uh, announcing his candidacy for the presidency, which was uh, essentially never in doubt in my estimation. Um, he uh, espoused the concept of freedom, and yep. certainly there's been no administration in American history that has been less committed to the freedom of American individuals than has the Biden administration. So uh, this was just uh, another uh, fallacious type of uh, of a platform performance by uh, by Joe Biden, which we've come we've come to expect. Um, Even though the, the I will say this, Andy, it was I watched it. It was cringeworthy. Uh, such a pack of lies. I couldn't even believe it. By, by every estimation, and I think even fact-checkers have done a, a, a hit job, a, a positive hit job on that, uh, on that presentation, uh, because of so many distortions, so many out- overt lies. We're not talking about the debatable truths here. We're talking about absolutely unavoidable distortions of reality. So, right. yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Cringeworthy is probably the best way to uh, present that. But let, let me go very negative here, just in terms of implications of what I see. If 
Biden gets the nomination. Now, it's not it's not in place yet. Robert Kennedy Jr. is a, is a candidate. There may be others uh, that, that emerge. But let's say Biden gets the nomination. Uh, what can I project as a maybe from this? I will go back to 2020 when Biden stayed in his basement during the entire 2020 campaign. I remember authoring a, a blog at that point that said uh, it seems uh, likely that Biden is aware of something, aware of what, aware that uh, I would put it as the fix is in. Uh, I would say that a nomination of Joe Biden by the Democrats in 2024 would mean the same thing, that the fix is in. Now, what is the fix? The fix is a, a, a series of, of, of fraudulent um, election uh, motifs. Uh, coupled with manipulation by social media, as they did in 2020. So that is what I think it means. In my estimation, the Democrats have no other reason to give Biden that nomination other than they know that he will not be the central figure determining the outcome. The, The determination of the outcome will be... The, uh, the the fraudulent manipulation of, of voting tabulations. Now, I, that's a very negative position. I can't document it. But I think if we go back to 2020, we can see the the perhaps alignment of these two uh, to these two presidential uh, years. Yeah, I think it was Lenin that said uh, <coughs> everybody could vote. The what really counts is who counts the votes, and that's just proven to be so true. Well, I, I think. Uh, think it was Stalin, but... It was who, Stalin. You're exactly can't right. can tell the difference between these two. You're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. I, I, would, I would like to mention also the implication of a, uh, a Biden win in 2024, which, uh, God forbid, uh, but the implication is that he, I don't believe he can possibly serve out a four-year term as he enters office, not because of age, but because of his already displayed physical and uh, intellectual mental uh, uh, disabilities. Right. So if that happens and he does choose as Kamala Harris as his running mate, what we may be looking at, and this is about as negative a statement as I can say, and I have no proof, obviously, uh, but this might author in a 10-year Kamala Harris presidency. Yeah. I mean, that thought is just is mind-boggling to me. Two years on the remaining Biden presidency in 2026, and then uh, eight years of presidency on our own on our own uh, terms. So I mean that that scenario is <laughs> is just so mind-boggling in its implications, Bob. Well, we'd be just overwhelmed by Venn diagrams for sure. <laughs> and by the way, uh, now it, it appears that uh, Biden is saying that hey, there's going to be no debates for in the, for the uh, Democratic uh, nomination. And, you know, Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. is a terrific candidate for the Democrat Party. If we had to have a Democrat president, I would choose him. I I think he is a a strong candidate, certainly stronger than Biden, but that was that's not a a high threshold. Um, You know, his positions on on vaccines and so forth and uh, uh, probably would. Uh, dissuade a lot of Democrat voters from uh, moving in his direction. But on the other hand, he is a strong leftist. I, I had been scheduled at one point to debate him. He was um, the head of the, uh, the, um, the Hudson River Environmental Association. I think that was the name. And I was, I was doing some work on, uh, on the environment back in the early 90s, and that was being scheduled. Uh, so he, this is a strong leftist. He's a very effective 
speaker. I mean, in spite of his, uh, his, his voice limitations, he's an effective speaker, an intelligent man, and a wealthy man. So uh, this is a formidable candidate, and I don't think the, the Democrats, if they don't want him, are ignoring him. I think that they, they do understand uh, uh, his potential strength against Biden. Bob. Yeah, I, I think that's right. So i, I got to ask you about Tucker Carlson and what's transpired. I want to get your thoughts about the context and the meaning of, uh, of his departure from Fox News. I, I think it is far more significant in my estimation than, uh, than most have been uh, positioning it uh, as. Um, I think many are saying that Tucker can move on to uh, do a streaming podcast. But, uh, but I'll tell you what, you know, I, I, I know that there's influence that, uh, that uh, Bongino and Megyn Kelly and um, uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly have had but it's not the same as the influence and the impact that Tucker had every, uh, every night at, at 8 o'clock on Fox. Uh, when uh, Kevin McCarthy decided to release the uh, J6 tapes to a larger audience, he didn't go to a streaming podcaster. He went to Tucker. Yeah. He went to Tucker because he knew that the influence of Tucker Carlson was far and uh, far exceeded that of any podcaster, regardless of the size of their audience. Tucker was a major national figure. There is no doubt in my mind that there is no podcaster that even resembles the implication that Tucker Carlson offered. And I think once he's leaving Fox, uh, I am I am uh, hopeful but dubious that Tucker can find a platform in which he can exert to, to any degree the influence he had on Fox. Now, a lot of people, certainly the left media, uh, have associated Tucker's severance with his uh, involvement with the uh, Dominion um, uh, computer issue. Now, in, in reality, Tucker had almost nothing to do with that. Right. Absolutely nothing. And if we look at the reality of Dominion, and T Tucker wanted to do a, uh, a, a documentary on this, and that is seen as one of the reasons that Murdoch let him go is because he didn't want Tucker to do this, and, and Tucker pushed back. Uh, but Tucker is still firmly convinced not of the, the essential guilt of Dominion, but the fact that it has not been examined and as true of, of so many issues in American life. Uh, as a matter of fact, if we look at one of uh, the comments from a Dominion engineer, he said that their tow system was totally hackable and had so many flaws in it that it had no security. Yeah. So these were the charges being launched against Dominion, and, and they've been rejected uh, uh, out of hand, whereas a Dominion engineer uh, has validated them. So in my estimation, the loss of Tucker Carlson to America is one of the most significant losses uh, that, we've, that we've experienced, uh, certainly over the last uh, 10, 20 years. Uh, and I, I, I don't think it's fully appreciated at this point in terms of its implication, Bob. Well, I, I will say this. Uh, I think one explanation I've heard that's very plausible about the uh, separation <clears throat> is that <clears throat> uh, Fox News or the uh, family, Murdoch family, wanted to sell Fox News, wants to get, uh, get rid of it. And, uh, you know, with good reason. I mean, the cable news, uh, cable uh, is uh, diminishing in, in, in uh, real power. And, uh, you know, the, the Murdoch family gave $20 million to the Biden campaign. I think they are liberals. There's no question about it, especially as kids. And so I, I think uh, they basically wanted to settle all lawsuits 
in order to do that, uh, separating him and uh, separate and also having a, a settlement uh, with Dominion was important to achieve that result. That's one plausible explanation. I mean, uh, there are several that have been offered. I think that is certainly a plausible explanation. The most recent one that I've <clears throat> that I've seen is that. Um, Murdoch was very sensitive, apparently, to religious views being expressed by the uh, by the hosts on on Fox. And <clears throat> uh, Tucker had recently made a presentation at the Heritage Foundation in which he made the simple remarks of "Let's pray for America," uh, and that this is a battle between good and evil. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't know, but in some people's minds, I guess using those words. Are, are religious. Now, I've used those words myself, and I'm not religious, so I don't know, but uh, the, the, the perception of that was that these remarks, as simple as they were, uh, offended Murdoch's sensitivity. Now, that doesn't seem to be uh, possible, but uh, that was what was offered as an inside source, Bob. Interesting, Andy. We need to take another break. Can you stick around? I will be here. Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. Uh, go to choicesocial.us. Also by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy. They prepare elected officials to have a winning strategies in, in the legislature. The website is the FGA. Org. We continue the conversation with uh, the most amazing and interesting uh, guest, Andrew Joppa. Andy, thank you so much for joining well, us. Thank you for that, Bob. 
Oh, my pleasure indeed, Andy. By the way, I, I want to mention to you, one of the things you expressed concern about in the last segment is that perhaps we're not going to see Tucker Carlson again. He's been, he has several offers already on the table, one of which is from Russia. <laughs> but the other, the other is One American News, a very uh, plausible, great uh, uh, offer that, he, that he's received. So he's going to land on his feet, and I believe we're going to see a lot more of Tucker Carlson. Yeah, I saw a headline the other day that conservatives support the, the severance of, of Tucker Carlson. I said, my goodness, how would they do that? And what, what the article actually said was that <clears throat> conservatives see that leaving Fox will uh, open Tucker up to an ability to uh, go even harder hitting uh, in terms of these stories, and that is certainly possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you and I discussed off-air, though, I, you know, I don't see anybody... Uh, uh, challenging O'Reilly or Megyn Kelly or Dan Bongino. I, I just don't think they've had the influence that, that Tucker had. I remember back in the late 50s, Light of Love Lucy, we'd meet on, on Tuesday morning, and we knew we all had watched that show. Yeah. And the same thing with Tucker in a more serious fashion, of course. Uh, but most conservatives knew uh, that they, had, they could talk about Tucker, and this was a, a common source of information for, for the vast majority of active conservatives. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that uh, now that uh, you've seen that Bill O'Reilly has left, he's really not relevant anymore. He's not somebody that we talk about in terms of the news and the commentary. But apparently he's greatly increased his income since leaving Fox News. Yeah, I I refuse to worry about the financial well-being of people that are multi-millionaires, Bob. I'm sorry. No, I understand (laughs) that. But the point that I'm making is that uh, right now I'm sure that a lot of talent is thinking about you know what, uh, is this a good place to be, or uh, can I have my voice be even stronger, don't have any limitations what I can say, and also uh, make a good income? And I think that's true of uh, Bill, Bill O'Reilly. And uh, I think it's the direction that I quite frankly think that Fox News uh, is saying to themselves, you know what, uh, this industry is dying. I'm talking about cable news, and uh, we're just going to put another talking head on there and milk it all we can until until it's done. I bet. Probably true if we look at the uh, the the audience numbers. I, I still uh, uh, believe, as I indicated before, that it is still is still the most uh, single uh, significant um, uh, factor in terms of of conservative politics in America. That was yeah. that was the Tucker Show, particularly. Yeah, uh, right now we have to see what happens with Hannity and uh, Laura Ingram. Yeah. Uh, I believe they were only being set up set up in the best sense in terms of audience share because they followed. They follow Tucker. I think, I think the canary in the coal mine is going to be who uh, Fox chooses to replace Tucker. If they choose a strong, uh, a strong, um, articulate, uh, courageous conservative, uh, then I think we have to reevaluate the entire process. If, on the other hand, they go soft on this, then I think much of what you're saying and uh, many of the critics have, are saying is, is probably true, that they're just dropping this whole this whole audience at this point. Bob. Well, uh, Brian Kilmeade certainly deserves his turn at bat. He's, he, I think he's a, a talent and uh, articulate and smart, too. So uh, we'll see what happens. But Look, I, I, I like the guy. I don't think anybody watches Fox because of him. That's no, right. <laughs> you're exactly I watch Fox because of Tucker Carlson. So, I mean, th- those are differences in, uh, in audience share and what they mean. For example, the largest audience rating for was the five on, on, on Fox, 
And, of course, that was because it comes on at 5 when people are eating dinner, at least people my age. Yeah. And so if they just turn on the television and there it is. So it wasn't an effective uh, um, rating system in terms of influence. <clears throat> so uh, influence is, to me, the big deal. And um, I still regard, maybe it's because I'm old, Bob, uh, social media and uh, streaming podcasts as being a younger platform, a, yeah. a Gen Zer platform and a, a millennial platform. And I don't, I still don't think uh, people 50 and above are migrating to that in large numbers. Well, let me just acknowledge what you're saying, because just taking a step back from this entire process, and I've been talking about the direction of uh, uh, audiences and the splintering of networks and all these things that are going on in order to to get the word out. The fact of the matter is, I missed Tucker Carlson. I missed him the first night. On, on Monday night, I couldn't watch him. I was disappointed. I felt a sense of uh, real sadness that uh, he wasn't on the air. So I, I think that's the right word, sadness and, and emptiness. Uh, yeah. uh, I'll describe it as being uh, close to a, a death, you know, in, in that sense. Uh, when when Rush passed, it was, you know, that was his li the end of his lifespan. And uh, so those are things that uh, just have to be accepted. This was not in that category. This was an authored event by uh, by a management team at uh, at Fox for whatever the reasons, and maybe it's all of the reasons we suggested, but uh, but we don't know at this point, Bob. Yeah, exactly right. Well, you know, this is a period of time right now where we're being challenged. Our our society, our democracy, our republic is being challenged. Uh, again, Biden talking about freedom and making that the uh, you know let's t give me a chance to finish the job. It's so disgusting because when he finishes the job with his current direction, I'm, we're, we're going to live in a police state. So we have to do something, and uh, we need leadership. Yeah, let, let me just uh, sort of wrap up with a, with a comment, a quotation from one of Tucker Carlson's uh, books, just to, uh, to give his positions on certain things. He said, the only way to impose unpopular policies on a population is through fear and silence. Free speech is the enemy of authoritarian rule. That's why the framers put it at the top of the Bill of Rights. He said, journalists, unfortunately, have become handmaidens to power. Most of them despise Donald Trump and his party. A survey of, uh, the, during the Obama administration found not a single Republican in the White House press corps. And the reason the press lost interest in holding the permanent government accountable is that they had more in common with its members than with the rest of the country. So I think this was the mindset of Tucker. I think it is a mindset that we all have to uh, to give uh, credence to because I believe it's valid, Bob. Absolutely. Andrew Jopp, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, I look forward to seeing you at Lulubee's Diner on uh, Friday. And, on uh, Friday morning. And just to remind our uh, listeners that Lulubee's Diner serves great breakfast and lunch, also dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., and the menu is great. Andy, I really appreciate you joining us here on the show. Thanks so much for joining See us. See you Friday, Bob. All right, look forward to it. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, on uh, Tomorrow, we've got great guests, including uh, Michael Cannon, Keith Flaw, Seton Motley, and uh, the former mayor of uh, Naples, Bill Barnett. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we build our listenership and support our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.